Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I told Kay the other day, I love the cowboy dress up. I never thought I would. I wasn't raised a cowboy, but it turned into one. Once we got cows and horses and stuff, it was like, yes. And uh, so we're, we just, anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. Uh, but uh, I want to go to the book of James. And there we will um, just take one scripture. It's kind of, you might look at it and say, well, that's kind of out of setting with what we're talking about. But I think the Lord took me here to, to uh, look at a certain angle of something. And so James, the uh, fourth chapter, and just be reading the third verse of that fourth chapter. And it says it this way. You ask and you do not receive. You ask and you do not receive. Because you ask wrongly. And so King James said, because you ask amiss. Kind of an old English word. You ask for something that is out of line. You ask wrongly. You ask in order that you may spend it on your own lust. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I don't know who the Lord's talking to. He's not talking to me on that. Because all of my prayers are, are focused and, and right in there. No, I don't think so. And it just, I, it, it, the, the, the part of this is the, it's just out of order. You, you just ask out of order. So what I'm going to talk about today, uh, it touches this subject a little bit, not so much in prayer, but just things that we want that are really out of order with what God wants. And so I'm trying to find that order of God. And, and so when we look at, 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 at this verse in James, not just personally, but we can look at it as a church or a movement, uh, even speaking to the body of Christ, is that we ask for things, but we ask wrongly because we want to heap it on our own desires and call it church. So Colossians, if you go to Colossians, the third chapter, and I want to read the 16th, 17th verse of the third chapter, and kind of put it in context, this is talking to the elect of God, or the church, the, the church body, um, and so it is a directive down to the, to the Colossian church in the 16th verse, let the word of Christ live richly in you in all wisdom teaching and I think a comma goes there and exhorting yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord now this directive it's where do we get church from where did, it's like a lot of other things that the Lord sort of left so that we would have some options as to how we wanted to do the format of church. 
He never said, and he could have, said, when you come together, open with a prayer. And then immediately after that, sing three, four songs. And then take an offering, pray for the sick, have a sermon, and go home. But it's not that he doesn't do that. So we have this, you know, I think in it, it's like everything else. Brother Dustin brought such a perfect point up a few weeks ago. Which is easier, to live by the law or to live by faith walking in Jesus Christ? It's easier to live by the law because you have it in front of you. You've got the rules. You know what to do. You do that. It's good. It's over. Living, living the life of faith is every day seeking Him, right? And so when we look at church and, and how church goes and the things that are going on in church, well, these, these particular things that, that Paul named here, teaching and wisdom, exhorting yourself in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, and everything, whatever you do, in word or in work, do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, even Father, because of Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody got up and said, thank God for Jesus. You know what? I guess we can say that. But we know that it's Him. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we just ask you to move in this, to touch this. You gave me some things to say today. And I pray that it will be a blessing. I pray that it will stir our hearts a little bit. Lord, and just challenge us in our spiritual thought. I want to see you and know you even clearer and more in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When more is not better. I did work on this last week, but I feel like I need to work on it again. When more is not better. I had to tell on my father-in-law, we were talking about this just this morning. My father-in-law, Jess Stinson, what a good man. Jess thought that a lot of times more is just better. We were working on the church. I sent him down to get some, uh, some hamburgers for us. And there was... I think there was three of us there working. He came back with two, I think two sacks of, I don't know, 12 hamburgers. I said, Jess, I don't know, eat one hamburger. I'm not, you know, that's four hamburgers each. Well, they were on sale, had a special deal on them, so I just got a lot of them. Send him down to the to the uh, store to get an uh, extension cord. He'd come back four or five of them. It just was in his nature that more would just really, you know, kind of sort of better. All you ladies that cook, and I think all of our ladies here do cook, bake, you got to follow the recipe. I've ate some things that people didn't follow the recipe, and it's a little rough. Same contents, same, you have... Flour, you have butter, you have sugar, you have, you know, whatever it is, ingredients that you're putting in there to make a dessert. and But you better get it measured right. It better be right because, you know, um, 
the Three Stooges, I've, I watched them cook. And it was like dash of baking powder and just, you know, the whole can. Well, we'll just make it rich. We'll put in more butter, you know, the whole thing. But it doesn't work like that. It comes out a mess. So there, there are times when more is not. Do you like butter in, in your cupcakes or cake? Yes, but there's a limit to that. You like, there's a limit to the sugar. So there's times when more is not better, even though those things may be good. So I made this statement last week, kind of stepping into this lightly. I made this statement last week that demanding more than what the rabbi called for causes the same disconnect as the failure to obey what he did call for. Church does not believe that. We believe that more is better. So we figure out what the more is, and we implement that, and that's going to be a pleasure to God. Wrong recipe. Might be some good things. There could be some good in it. But the Lord draws the line. The Lord, it's to see, this is His kingdom. It's not ours. It's His gospel and not ours. We don't get to preach it how we want to preach it. If we preach it any different than what He delivered it, any different than what He said it, then we've taken it upon ourselves to change the recipe. God doesn't want us to change the recipe. So if we add to it, we have this disconnect. Just the same as if we take from it and we fail to put the right things in it. And so I want to look at this a little bit this morning. I, I know this is a subject that we've talked about several times, but the Lord has just kind of been working on us, and I think He's working on us as a church body in this area. I want to talk a little bit about holiness and separation. And I want to say this, I want to state this right out in front, that holiness and separation is relevant to Christian living. The Scripture said, Without holiness no man will see God. So is it important to him? Absolutely. And so, but the issue with holiness is that it is open-ended. There's no, like I said, there's no rule that he gave us and, and, and that's it. So holiness becomes a little bit open-ended and by zeal, it quickly eclipses the level of scriptural Authority, scriptural balance, by seal. I've been raised in church. I know I was raised in holiness. I was raised in Pentecost. I know what it's about. And sometimes zeal will cause people to over-excel. It will cause them to add to the recipe more than needs to be there. Now, it seemed kind of strange because our thinking and God's thinking, they just, a lot of times, they're not on the same track. They're not parallel. And so, presumption says to us, if we look at holiness and separation, we presume that the more I give up, the more holy I become. Now, 
to the point that men went off in the hills to monasteries, separated themselves from all other humans, separated themselves from all the vices of the world, and went off into caves and monasteries there just to pray and to live quietly uh, before the Lord. Is that his design? No, that's not his design. Jesus, in his prayer in, in the 17th chapter of John, he said, I pray that you do not take these out of the world. We understand the world there is not the mud ball. The world there is the world system. I'm not praying for you to take the Christian people, the believers, out of the world system. I'm praying that you keep them right in the middle of the system. And so what would cause people to leave everything and to go off somewhere and hide? What would cause that? Because that some kind of zeal in them says the more that I give up, the closer I'm going to be to God. And I contest that this morning because I've seen people do a number of things that did not get them closer to God. Is prayer right? Oh, yes. Is abandoning what you need to be doing that day and going out into your garage and climbing in a box and praying all day every day, is that pleasure to the Lord? Do you draw closer to God doing that? I'm going to have to say the ones that did it that I know absolutely did not draw closer to the Lord. They got weirder. They were already weird, and they got a whole lot weirder. The Lord never told us to abandon our families, our duties, our work, supplying, providing, doing the things that we need to do and go into the garage and lay in a box all day and pray. This is some kind of power. I had this, this, this thought the other day, you know, these songs, there's power in prayer. And, and I talked about that. There is not power in prayer. There is only power in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can pray all day in a box and have zero power because God didn't say to do that. But more is better. The more I pray, the more holier I get. No. Let me tell you this. The more God moves in your life, the more you're going to want to pray. The more that he begins to develop your spirit and hunger and desire, you're going to want to pray. I know of people that have fasted. Fasted long distances. And one woman fasted 40 days. You'll fast like Jesus. Boy, the power is there in fasting. If I could just fast. No, there is no power in fasting. There is only power in Jesus Christ. And you might humble yourself down in fasting, and it may do you some good. In 40 days, you're going to lose some weight. We all need to do that. Except for Sister Jennifer. We're praying God puts weight on her. <laughs> but if we, we fast long enough, we're going to get, boy, I tell you what, we're going to come out of there with power. We are going to be so just, just powerful men and women of God. Because more, the more I do, the more I give up, the more holy I become. Now, I'm going to have to say that that thought works kind of hand in hand with Pentecost. Now, if you're going to the community church that preaches nothing, 
They preach the exact opposite of that. The more you live, the closer you come to God. The more you just enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. That's what God wants you to do. Just, just feel good, have a good time, and that is the pleasure of God. Well, I don't believe that either. There's a design for the Christian church. It is, and it is holiness and righteousness before God. But the more that I think I do doesn't bring me closer to the Lord. It's what He said about what I do that brings me closer to Him. Can the church say amen? And so I have these, these different people. I want to bring up a few of them. <clears throat> when I was a kid, and it's something that I, one of my chores when I was 16, 17 years old is that I ran the church van. And I really didn't like to do it. I had to get up earlier and go pick people up that didn't have a ride. Well, one of those was Mom and Dad Parker. They were elders and good people. They loved the Lord. Um, they were just, you know, entrenched in just, bless God, old-time Pentecost. Now, he would get to church, and every time he would testify, we had testimony service, he would say this, I was a gambler, I was a drinker, I was watch football games, but God delivered me, and then he'd look at us. He knew every one of us played football. <laughs> every time, and he'd just kind of get a grin on his face. I was a gambler, I was a smoker, I was a watch football. And he'd look at us. It's okay if you don't watch football. Some people don't like football. I happen to like it. We played it, we you know, sports, a lot of us here love sports, and, 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 and that's good, and that's all fine. My not watching football does not bring me closer to God. That's something I would, if I want to give that up, I can do it. Say, I'm giving up watching football. Bless God, I'm giving up watching, watching any sport, and so I'm going to get closer to God. No, you'll have more time, but I don't think that's going to earn you points with the Lord. One of our brothers loved him dearly, man of God. Uh, just, I was there right before he went to glory. What a good man he was. We got to a point in his life where he felt like coffee and tea was wrong. And you know what? If you don't want coffee, and, and I'm okay on that, tea I'm a little more attached to, but if you don't want to drink coffee and tea, God bless you, don't drink it. But not drinking coffee and not drinking tea does not earn you more points with the Lord. Well, the more I give up, no. No. We give up the right things, then it's a blessing to our life. We give up the things that are destructive. We give up the things that lead us in the wrong direction. We, the world and all of its trimmings and all of its stuff, we start giving that up. We start giving up the things that are bad influences in our life. Coffee and tea is not a bad influence for you. But he was a good brother and I loved him. Some Pentecostals. My Uncle Skip said, we go to a certain church, we have to take off our wedding rings. They don't believe in wedding rings or jewelry of any kind. They need to reread the Bible. The prodigal son, the father waiting for the child to come home. He comes home, what does he do? Something bad to him? No, he puts a ring on his finger. 
He didn't know it, but the, the father which typifies the Lord was doing something evil by putting a ring on. No, this is foolishness. But the more I give up, the more holier I am. So I'm not going to wear any rings and I'm not going to wear any jewelry. You know what? If you don't want to wear a ring and don't want to wear any jewelry, that's completely up to you, but it is not going to win you points with the Lord. More is not always better. The shakers. We have shaker cabinets. How many have shaker-style cabinets? It goes way, way back. Probably they do it a lot here. And it's just the square around the door. It's all kind of square uh, look. That's a shaker look. Come from early America. Let me tell you about the shakers. The shakers taught celibacy. Giving up more makes you more. The, the problem is that's a one-generation thing. The shakers no longer exist. What they taught, they gave up. Boy, they gave up, you know, husband and wife and marrying and anything like that, and procreation. They gave it all up. Boy, and that really made them holy, except the problem is they're gone. But more... Makes me better. No, more doesn't make you better. The only thing we have left from the shakers is the cabinets. That's it. We have no influence. We don't know what they taught. We don't know. They have no influence upon Christianity because they went a direction that they thought more would be better. But it was not. And so I want to go into, uh, we were in the area last week from the book of Luke, where the Lord, Rabbi Yeshua, he, he got quite upset at the Jews over their position that they felt like they had the authority to add to the injunctions of God. And so I, just in teaching this this morning, I, I, hope, I hope that you understand that what I'm driving at is the injunctions of men not the injunctions of God. We can please one another very easily. And I can look at you and I can, I can please you because we have a certain set thing that we do. And if you do that, you're part of us. And if you don't do that, you're not part of us. You have to get out and you go somewhere else. And I understand all that. We've got to walk together in some kind of unity. And, and we've got to, you know, we, we have to have some respects. But we've got to keep them grounded in the Word of God. When they begin to add to what God said to do, Jesus didn't like it. Because if he wanted more, he'd have said more. And because he did not say more and they added to it, he got exasperated about it, which is just being annoyed to anger. And he said, well, Jesus, you know, he was just, just a soft touch. No, you, you, you need to reread some of what he says. He doesn't like it when we add to his word. He does not like that. And so as we go through this a little bit, I'm, I'm going to bring you some, some of the things that he said in Luke 11. He called them fools. Do you like to be called a fool? I don't like to be called a fool. It's the word af 
Phronis. And it means to be void of mental perception. He said, woe unto you. And that's a warning of pending calamity. He called them hypocrites. And that's a transliterated word. Hypocrite is what it meant then. It still means now. It's a person who's acting one way and really is another. That's a hypocrite. Whitewashed sepulchers. I'm not sure, but I don't like being called a whitewashed sepulcher. It doesn't sound like a, a really good thing because he said you are, you are white on the outside, but you're full of dead men's bones. And then he said to them in Luke 11, I will send you prophets and I will send you apostles. This is Jesus speaking. And some of them, you will kill them. So you, my dear friend, Pharisee people, are murderers. And then he says to them, you are thieves. You took away the key of knowledge. And so he's blasting out at them, not just to call them names. That's not what he's doing. But he is, he is just fed up with the idea that they're going to add to the things of God Demand more things than God demanded, and that's going to make you righteous and holy, and you're going to be in the religious right if you do that. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that has never stopped. It's never stopped. You go to any religious circle, and you're going to end up there because that's exactly what we do as men. The Pharisees clean, he said, you clean the outside, but you don't clean the inside up. And this is something that I'm a witness of. Many of the people that I went to church with, young people, I was, I was a young man, young married. We, we went to church with people who cleaned the outside up. Boy, I tell you what, they looked just as clean as you could get, but inside there was corruption, there was awfulness. Jesus said, you clean the outside, but inside you're full of robbery and evil. I went to church with people who, who spoke in tongues. They, they shouted in the aisles. They got up and taught. And, and some of them ended up in prison having molested their children. One man in particular was in jail in Shasta County. And he said, I need you to move me from this cell because I want a cell that doesn't have TV. I don't believe in watching TV. And he's there for molesting his children. You clean the outside up, but inside is a ravenous mess. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Pharisees, you tithe on the mint and the rue, and you ignore the weightier matters of the law, which are judgment and love and mercy. Don't not tithe. Do your tithe, but that's not where you're getting a fix from. That's not going to take care of everything else in your life. You have failed to see the love and mercy and judgment of God. And you washed up that outside man. Everybody sees you paying tithe, but what they don't see about you don't have any love and you don't have any mercy in your life. And about that time, the lawyers ch chimed in. See, those were Pharisees. And the lawyers chimed in and said this, Teacher, what you're saying to them insults us too. So Jesus took care of that. So you want to be in on this conversation? Okay, you're insulted. Let's work with the lawyers then. 
and to the lawyers and the scribes who interpret the law of God for the people. He said this to them, you lay burdens on men too heavy to bear, and you don't even help by lifting anything with just even one finger. He said, you adorn the tombs of the prophets that your fathers killed, and you're just an extension of their murderous ways. You yourselves don't enter the kingdom, but you're not going to let anybody else enter the kingdom either. Wow, by the end of this, they are really, really mad. Do you know what brought this whole thing on? Jesus went to the Pharisee's house to eat dinner. And he began to eat dinner without washing his feet. That's a bad one. That's a bad one. The man that owned a house, the Pharisee said, hmm supposed to be a righteous man. He's over there eating without even washing his feet. They had added so much to the law of God. Jesus said, with your traditions, you've made the word of God of none effect. I wonder about the church sometimes. And we can point back at them and say, oh, man, they, they were really religious and they, they have, you know, and I wonder about the church sometimes where we're out on these kind of things because we have cut out things. We have we have caused things to happen and not to happen because of the way that we felt instead of looking at the mercy and the love and judgment of God. So sometimes more is not better. Can everybody say amen? All right, we're going to go on to, to something. I think you'll, you'll enjoy this. Something's wrong. When the man-made rules and laws supersede the Word of God. Something's wrong. I was at a PCFG, a Pentecostal Church of God. We call it the Peacock now. Business meeting where all the pastors come together. They pastor during the year and then they come and have a meeting about the organization. And there were just a lot of questions. There always is some about conduct and, and finances and different things that go on with the organization. The Pentecostal Church of God, like a lot of other places, I haven't been to them, but I'm sure there, there is this thing called Robert's Rules of Order. Has anybody ever heard of Robert's Rules of Order? I hate Robert. I hate him. I don't know who he is. But I don't know why he supersedes. What he says is ironclad. Way more than mercy and love and judgment. And I remember, this is about the time I said, this is it. I'm done with this stuff. I remember they have an open mic. You can come up and make comments. And one brother, pastor, who's pastored all year and now has come to the meeting, has some questions. And while he's up there trying to ask a question, people are screaming out rules of order and all kinds of stuff. It embarrassed the man. It embarrassed me. It embarrassed God. That the rules of man are greater than what God says. Don't you think we should work this out with love and mercy and find out what the man's question? No, no, no. We're going with Robert's rules of order. 
Robert does not rule here. We have issues and problems here. We're not going by protocol. Somebody say amen. We're going by what works. We're going by mercy and judgment and trying to work things out. But, but it just so soured me when I saw that. I thought, Lord, this is just exactly what, what happened with the Pharisees and, and, and all that attitude and, and that heart. They, they put their rules and their laws above really good judgment and above people and above working with people and missed the opportunities that God had laid out for them as ministers. It's exactly what happened in Luke 13. I'm going to talk about Luke 13 for a little bit. I think it wasn't too many days hence that he had been talking to the Pharisees and scribes in the temple. And we find him in Luke 13 in a synagogue teaching. I think he's still mad. I think he still doesn't like it. It wasn't just a one time, you know, I've just got to let the steam go and everything's going to be okay. No, he doesn't like it then. He doesn't like it now because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't like it there. And two chapters later, he doesn't like it either. He's in the synagogue, and he is teaching. While he is teaching, he sees a woman in the synagogue. There must have been quite a few people there. But he sees this woman in the synagogue who is bowed over and can't raise up. She's humped over. I don't know how she's getting around. But for 18 years, she has been bound in her body and is stooped over and cannot raise up. That's a horrible condition. But Jesus sees her, and he tells her, come to me. And she comes over there, and now this thing, I know there's this popular, the, this wording, T, uh, J, Jake's, T.D. Jake's made this very popular. Woman, thou art loosed. But where Jake's went with it and where the Lord went with it are two different things. But the woman... Now he put his hands upon her, and it says that she stood up straight for the first time in 18 years. This woman stood up straight. She'd been coming there all her life. She's been in that synagogue all her life, and they all know her, and they know for 18 years that she's been stooped over and, and cannot straighten up. And I'm sure, you know, all the comments and people making fun and kids making fun and all the same, you know, humans are humans and we do all that stuff. But now she's standing up straight. The ruler of the synagogue, the pastor, the bishop, the clergyman leader of the church, the synagogue says, huh? What does he think he's doing? And begins to say some things about what Jesus did. Number one, the man believes that Jesus was out of order. He's supposed to be teaching, and I allowed him to teach. And he decided to not teach. He decided to heal somebody. He's out of order. 
The second thing is, is that by Jewish law, and you're going to find this, that they passed a law somewhere that it was against the law of the Jews to heal somebody on the Sabbath. And I love it. Jesus went from synagogue to synagogue healing people. He got one synagogue, and he said, look, he's looking. Oh, there's a man. He's got a withered arm. Stand up. And when he stands up, he says, stretch your arm out. It was his practice to heal on the Sabbath day because they said not to, that this is a holy day. We don't do any servile work on a holy day. And so what God had set up for good for the people, they took it down and set it up for something else. God had set it up for delivering. God had set it up for healing. God had set it up for restoration. But by their work, they had brought it down to being nothing more than another service that they went to and went home. I'm afraid we've done that as a church at times. I'm going to put in another Sunday and I'm going home. This woman began to praise God. And, and this was disruptive too. They're all sitting there in, in, in class and he's teaching and they're sitting and, and this woman's shouting. Now I'll tell you what. I, I'm not against shouting. I believe in shouting. But I believe in shouting for a purpose. The man that was healed at Gate Beautiful, he began to leap and jump and praise God because he had never been able to walk. He'd never gone into the temple. They wouldn't allow a cripple to go in the temple. But now he's running into the temple shouting and leaping and praising God. He's got a reason to do that. Now, I've seen people run and jump and bust things and knock things over and, and break holes and, and stuff. And that I'm not for that. But if God's going to touch you, there's something going to happen in your spirit. If you've been bound and God lets you go, there's something going to rejoice in your heart you can't help but get up and begin to praise God because he has delivered you and I'm for that kind of shouting everybody remember old one-armed brother Bob once in a while he'd get up and he'd he'd do like this and, and go around the church I never said a word about that because I knew Brother Bob when he had two arms. And Brother Bob went to work one day, and a saw fell off of its frame and cut his arm off. And I knew a man that was standing there and said, Bob said, his arm laying beside him, said, somebody help me sing a gospel song right now. And so Brother Bob, if he can get up and shout around the church, he's got a reason to bless the Lord and praise the Lord. I'm going to honor that. Can you say amen? But this foolish thing that goes on and, and called rejoicing, oh, no. No, but I want you to know that when Jesus does his work, the company is going to rejoice in the Lord. The people are going to rejoice in the Lord when he does his work. 
There's a lot of time we'll go to church and we'll never rejoice. And we'll go home and we didn't feel like rejoicing. We didn't want to rejoice. But we didn't realize that the one who delivers us is there. And if you allow him, he'll deliver your life. If you allow him, if you come to him, he's going to put his hand on you. And he's going to lift you up. And you're going to be able to rejoice in the Lord yourself because of the goodness of God. Can you say amen? Don't tell God he can't heal on the Sabbath day. Who are they to tell him that he cannot heal? His retort is this. He knows that the pastor is telling the people over here that what you just saw is not of God. That's what they said to the blind man who wasn't able to see and Jesus put mud in his eyes and he went and washed in the pool of Siloam. They told him, the one that did this to you is not of God. They told the man that that was crippled, that Jesus on the Sabbath healed. They said, he can't be a man of God because you don't heal on the Sabbath. How crazy is that? If there is ever a time where the Lord wanted to heal people, that would be when His people came together and that He could touch them and that they would see the glory of God. They would see that God cares about His church. I believe God saves some of the best stuff until we get together. Some of the things that God wants to do to encourage. I'm going to tell you what, if you've ever seen somebody healed, that encourages you. That lifts your spirit up. And so it's more than just this person being healed in the congregation. It is, wow, by the time this thing's done, everybody's going to be rejoicing. But this man says, no, this is not of God. He's healing on the Sabbath. We have six days to heal people. Why doesn't he do it on one of those days? But he comes in here, and and Jesus said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, Now, let me just deal with you on logic. All of you here this morning, I, I, I see him. He's like, he's like what I've, he didn't have a microphone, but he's standing up in front of everybody. And he says, all of you that are here this morning have an ox, have a donkey. So let me deal with that. You might understand this. You've got your donkey tied up. He's at, the, he's at the, 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 the food crib there. You're feeding him, but you've tied him up there. And this is the Sabbath. And now this donkey is thirsty. And so you go and loose him off of that place where you've got him tied up. And you lead him to the water. Every one of you do that. But this daughter of Abraham who Satan has afflicted and tied to the post for 18 years. All I've done this morning is exactly what you practice on a Sabbath day. I have loosed her and let her go. All he did was take Satan's power off of her 
and by putting his hands on her, lifted her up and raised her. Oh, you hypocrites. Oh, you hypocrites. What you want is format. What you want is protocol. What you want is timing in church services. What you want is just have your cushy little service and go home. But when the Lord is here, he's here to loose people. He's here to free them. God wants to free people that Satan has tied down. Satan has bound down. And we don't have time for him to do that. Lord, you can do that on any of the other six days. But he said, no, I'm going to do it today because this is the day that I chose to show my glory. Amen, 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 amen. And so, I believe that if we get filled with time slots and format, we're going to miss the day that Jesus shows up. Lord, you can be here, but we don't want you doing nothing. We don't want you doing nothing. Don't, don't, don't upset this thing. We go from 10.15 to noon, quarter to noon right now. Don't, you know, you've got, you've got 15 more minutes, Lord, but don't really do anything to upset the, upset the order here. But when Jesus gets done... Everybody rejoices. What happened, the scripture says, that what happened is that man was put to shame when Jesus talked about you loosing your animal to go to water and all I'm doing is loosing this woman from the power of Satan. He said he was put to shame and all those that were believing what he said were put to shame. But then it finally says, all of them begin to rejoice. Wow. It turned from from out of the hands of this guy who, who want to manipulate people to people just opening their hearts and praising Jesus for what he has done. And that's what the church should be. Can you say amen? We should want to thank him and rejoice in the Lord. He has been so good to us. He has blessed us. And we come in and rejoice. Instead of a nice service with, with a few songs and prayer and a nice sermon at the end of it and and get ready to go home. Instead of idolizing so-called worship music, I'm sick of it. I hate it. The church is idolizing worship music and those people that do it. It's unbelievable. I turned something on the other day. This is, this is from hell. This is not from God. The glory is going to men, it's going to musicians, it's going to singers, it's not going to God. Even though the words might say it, it's not going to God. He's not able to move in that place. I think sometimes it's just easier to be manipulated by the systems of men than it is to let the Lord be in the house. He's here teaching this morning. And if he wants to lose somebody, can you say amen to it? Thank you, Lord. And so let me close with this. Church protocol and dogmas and theological stances. When those things rule the day and when church ideology and opinion imposes its own positions on righteousness and holiness, it's traded off the preeminence of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
That's when more is not better. And for this reason, let us honor and adhere to the teaching of our Lord and Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say that? So, how do we cut through the fat, you know? How do we... God help us. God help us. I only want to do what honors Him. I want to do what honors Him. I, I, I guess I'm to the point in my life where nothing else matters. It's about you, Lord. Nothing else matters. When I come here, I don't want to see just stuff and people and, and you know, our format. I'm not worried about format. Anybody worried about format here? I hope not. Because our format really doesn't matter. Our heart matters before the Lord. And so, Lord, we don't want to rule out your work. We don't want to rule out your goodness. Lord, we can go through our own little resources of our mind and put together things that we think, Lord, but we just want to be humble before you. You, Lord, this is your church. Lord, this is, this is, this is your gospel. Lord, you were the head of the church, Lord. And we're just the servants. We pray that you will have your way always in this house, that we will not go to more than what you have desired for our lives, but we'll stay right where you want us to be, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Can everyone say amen? Amen, amen. Would you stand with us this morning? And we just say, God bless you so much. Shake somebody's hand. I know you do this, but shake somebody's hand. Hug somebody's neck. You know, um, um, make sure it's your own wife. But, uh, but uh, so good to have you here today. God bless you. God love you. We're going to come out there tonight, so don't forget that, 6 o'clock. If you don't know how to get there, if you haven't been there before, get a hold of Desiree. She'll tell you how to get there, and we're going to have a good time in the Lord. God bless you. Have a good